0: Hey there, language lovers. I'm Shannon Kennedy, co-host of the Language Hacking Podcast, here with my co-host, Benny Lewis. And today, we're chatting with Dr. Gu, co-author of the Language Hacking Mandarin book, professor at Northwestern University, and former professor at Princeton. He's also an author in his own right. In our discussion with Dr. Gu, we cover teaching foreign languages at the university level, how language education has changed over the last 30 years, Learning Chinese characters, why Chinese is easier than you think, common challenges Chinese learners face, and working on the language hacking Mandarin books and how its approach to language teaching is vastly different from traditional language learning. If you enjoy this episode of the podcast, please let us know by leaving us a review at languagehacking.com slash review. And as always, all of the links and resources mentioned as a part of this episode are available to you as a part of the show notes. Now let's get into our conversation with Dr. Gip. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 84 Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. I have a a good combination here for you. We have Professor Gu, who co-wrote the Language Hacking book with me. And I, of course, am joined as always with Shannon, who was also very instrumental in helping the Language Hacking Mandarin book move forward. So what we're going to be doing today is hearing Dr. Gu's story and diving into how uh, he contributed to the Language Hacking Mandarin book for anyone who's interested in that. So Dr. Gu, could you give us a little background of where you're from and how you got into language education?
2: Great. Uh, Thank you, uh, Benny and Senna, of course. Uh, I was born and grew up in Beijing, China. And uh, I started learning English uh, when I was in high school. And uh, in the process of learning English, I find that uh, a great teacher and a great textbook is instrumental for learning any language, including English and of course, Chinese. And then uh, after I finished college, uh, majoring in English in China, I went to Australia. I got my master's degrees over there. I learned a lot of uh, linguistic courses and then I got my PhD in curriculum and instructions uh, in teaching, of course, in uh, University of Oregon. And then from there I got interest, interested in teaching Chinese. So I've been teaching Chinese uh, for the past 30 years and I find that a great instructor and a great textbook is everything you need to start and to fly in any foreign language.
0: So you went on not to just teach. There, so there are a lot of different ways to teach languages. You can teach as a private tutor. You can teach in institutions that specialize in teaching foreign languages. But you are a professor at Northwestern. So what made you decide to enter into the more academic university side of language teaching?
2: Well, as I said, that my... Uh, PhD and also my master's degree are all in teaching. Um, So when I finished, uh, when I received, after I received my uh, PhD degree, I went to, I got a teaching position in Princeton University. And then I came to uh, University of, uh, I mean, Northwestern University for the past 29 years here. And I find that uh, teaching language is really um kind of fascinating for me, every progress that I observed the that the students make make me very, very happy. So that is why I really enjoy uh teaching language.
1: And given that you've been doing this for um there thirty years, how have you seen uh language education and especially how teaching Chinese? has changed over the last three decades?
2: Over the last 30 years, I have to say that it is really changing in several areas. Uh, The first area is, of course, technology. in the past, it is always the chalkboard and the instructor to the students. Very, very one-directional. So the students were listening and the instructor was explaining and the student understands everything, then they, they go home, and then they take, get prepared for the, for the exam for the next day. So it is not interactive. And then, gradually, people are becoming more and more interactive between the instructor and the students. That's the method of teaching. And then the technology, of course. This currently, in the past 10 years or so, and there are more and more uh online teaching or distance learning. So that is going on. But the biggest change is individual learning now. Nowadays, I mean especially when it comes to you get a book, you get a cassette, or you get a CD or a website, and then you can learn basically from your own home without going to classrooms, drawing a formal language program you don't need to anymore especially today during the pandemic so a lot of people are learning uh, languages from home by themselves with the help of a good textbook a good learning tool so that they can improve by themselves talking to the people all over the world in their own room
0: So you mentioned how much of an impact technology has had on language learning, and I'm curious to know what your experience has been with one particular aspect of this um, in Chinese, and that's Chinese characters. So before learning Chinese characters was a really manual process, you would write them over, memorizing how to write the characters out, but now we have all of these tools where we're typing in pinyin, and it's giving us the characters, and we're not necessarily memorizing them and learning them in the same way. What sort of things have you noticed about students of Chinese and how learning Chinese characters has changed since all of these changes in technology?
2: Well, when I was learning Chinese characters that my father gave me, you know, give me an assignment, memorize these 10 characters. So I just have to copy those 10 characters without thinking about them, just write, write and write. So that's all I did. just Just write those characters again and again. It was a boring job, boring really kills a child's interest in any language, especially the Chinese. But today, things are so different. First of all, we have tools and technology to teach kids the different section, different parts of one character, explaining to them what is the meaning of this particular part of the character. And then this part, this radical, of course, uh, that's With this pong bushel, that's the, a certain radical on the top of the character, or at the bottom of the character, or on the left of the character. That is used systematically with other parts. The other parts are usually the phonetics. So the radical, the phonetics are combined. So that forms one character. And when you learn, when a student learned this. A form of Chinese character forming, then they can use this rule, this system, to understand hundreds of other characters. And the technology can really help, because the technology can dissect the character, cut it into different parts, and put one with another one, one radical with another phonetic part, and then they can create hundreds of And hundreds of other characters. And that makes learning Chinese characters so much more, so much easier, and so much faster. It is like so much better than those old days that when I was learning Chinese characters with my father.
1: So it's interesting because um, Chinese characters give the language a bad rep. And like you said, if you're learning it by rote and just trying to Memorize the the what can feel like random characters the whole time, uh, without realizing there are patterns to it. There are radicals, there are phonetics within that, which makes your job easier. What other aspects um, do you think contribute to people feeling like Chinese is maybe the hardest language in the world? That it that is not actually true. That uh, what encouragement can you give to people for aspects of Chinese? that may be easier than they think?
2: One thing that I can think of is a big myth about the Chinese characters, which is uh, we have about 40,000 Chinese characters. And memorizing 10 characters a day is already a daunting task. But 40,000, how many days would that take? That, that would take years and years to, to understand, to, to be able to read Chinese, Newspapers or articles, but that is not true. But the truth is, there are only two thousand most commonly used characters that you need to read a Chinese newspaper or to read a, a book in Chinese. So you know, first of all, the task is not that big. It's not forty thousand, but just two thousand. An average Chinese person in Beijing, they only need two thousand characters. These are the most commonly used, and these are the Chinese characters that we teach today. So that's the first myth about the Chinese language. Another myth is about the tones. The tones are important, but even if you learn it by yourself, even if your tone is not perfect, I wouldn't worry too much about it, because when it is used in the context, no one would really misunderstand you. Preferably, of course, we'll, we'll take you to the classroom in the university, Princeton or Northwestern, we'll drill you till your tones are perfect. That's preferable. But not, not everyone can get into Princeton. Not everyone can get into Northwestern, but learn it by yourself. You can still be a great Chinese language user. You can do that.
0: So speaking of challenges with learning Chinese, uh, given that you have 30 years experience teaching Chinese, I'm sure you've noticed some trends in what Chinese students find the most challenging about the language. So what are some of the common struggles that Chinese language learners have? And what are some of the things that you suggest to them to help them break through those difficulties?
2: I think the most challenging part is the courage to open your mouth and go to a stranger, go to a Chinese native speaker and talk to that person. Americans are open-minded, they are brave, but still I find the students are too intimidated, too hesitant to go to someone to talk. And that ice has to break and that barrier has to be taken down and the students, the first day you start learning any language, no matter it's Italian, no matter it's Russian, no matter it's Japanese, and the Chinese too. Learn it, go to someone and practice and use it. So making a few errors, people laugh at your tones, people laugh at your mispronunciations, don't worry because only through using it with native speakers, with your teachers probably, the same. Go ahead and be brave. So that only through practicing, only through using, can you learn the Chinese language. So my advice to the Chinese language learners is to open your mind, go and talk to someone.
1: So you were saying earlier that um, one of the most crucial aspects to success in learning a language and especially learning Chinese can be this combination of a great instructor and a great course book. And uh, one of the reasons that Teach Yourself, the publisher, um, really wanted you in the Language Hacking Mandarin project was because of your extensive experiences in creating courses. So what what kind of courses have you created in the past and how what's been your approach and philosophy to attempting to teach Chinese so that you could be among the courses that would have made that positive difference?
2: Well, um, most of the, uh, I wouldn't say most, but some of the new courses here at Northwestern University uh, are created by myself. So one of the unique courses that I created is called Chinese for heritage learners, that is a course that is designed and created for the Chinese born in the United States. And that is, these kids grew up speaking Chinese with their parents, but they don't know how to read and write properly, that's number one. And number two, they do not know how to give speeches, how to make public speeches so in this course i first of all quickly teach them the systems of learning the chinese characters and then speed reading read extensive length of passages and ask them to get the main ideas and then writing we teach them a good structure of a good essay and then assign them to write good essay following the same structure and then the students will receive some corrections from me on the the essay and they go back and prepare a speech speaking to the whole class. So in this way the American-born Chinese can quickly learn to read and write and make speeches in public. So, that is one of the new courses that uh, I created.
0: In addition to creating courses, you've also written several books for Chinese learners. Can you talk a little bit about those books and the process behind creating them?
2: One book, let me get this book for you. One book is about the Chinese characters. Let me show you. This book is about the combination of Chinese characters with images that these characters represent. So, for each character, We have the traditional form. Then we have the simplified form. And then how they are combined into the pictures. For example, this character means to fly. And then, of course, we have one bird flying here, another bird flying here. And they represent the strokes of that character. And then, of course, we have the cloud. And then in this book, I have a CD that students can hear the explanation of the character and the change from simplified to traditional. This one is worm. See, this is the traditional worm, the, the the combination of the character and the image, the pronunciation, the explanation in both Chinese and English, and then the simplified version of the Chinese character. So this, is, this book teaches, helps the students to combine the image of the the image that the character represents and the actual actual character so help them to make that connection so this is one one of the books another book that i have here is this is kind of a a children's book so teaching kids how to speak quickly too yeah but it is more like a children's toy book but i also have some kind of more serious uh research books on the history and development of chinese language teaching and learning in the united states in the past 140 years.
1: Yeah, so we'll make sure all the books that you've been uh showing us via video are uh clickable so people can access them in the show notes and they can check them out for themselves. Thank you. But of course, uh what is most interesting is how um at least for me it's it's how you've come from there to then joining us on the Language Hacking Mandarin book. So it's interesting because it's, in a way, it's somewhat the opposite of the problem you were trying to solve previously, where you have a heritage learner who does have some level of basic conversational Mandarin, at least, or even intermediate, and they want to focus more on the characters and then on perfecting their spoken Mandarin. And we were kind of trying to do the opposite with language hacking Mandarin. We're trying to take people who have absolutely no knowledge. And if anything, very, very little character, like we do teach people a little bit of Chinese characters, but it's really not the focus. And the focus is pretty much entirely on pinyin. So how did you feel when you were first approached to uh, co-write language hacking Mandarin? And what did you think of our um, slightly different approach to Uh, helping people get the beginnings of conversation in the language?
2: Well, I, I do have something to say about this part, Benny. First of all, it is really a great honor for me to work with you because I find wow, this is really something. It is not something slightly different, Benny. It is very different from those kind of traditional academic way of teaching. Think about this. I've been teaching in Princeton and Northwestern. And these two schools are famous for rigorous training in their classrooms that we correct all the errors that we can hear from the students. And one of our mottoes was correct that student's tones until she cries, until she's better. If she cries, if he cries, doesn't matter. You know, we have to make sure that. Every student in the class speak perfectly before we move on. And if they do not get perfect, take them to, the, to your office and drill them till they are done. It, it works for Princeton students, but it doesn't work with 99% of the human beings. So I find that be tolerant, be acceptable, be lenient for the purpose of making them fly quickly because not everyone has this opportunity to sit in a classroom with another five geniuses from other from all over the world no it is by himself by herself in her own home learning chinese so this way to i mean this hacking way is really to get people started get them into it get interested, start communicating, and then in the future, they can, you know, take more serious courses, get into more like writing, professional writing, you know, like a public speaker, get excellent speeches. That is in the future. But if they don't start with this book, they will never get there. So I'm very happy to to be part of this, Fanny, to, to work with you and Shannon so that we can get something to help people to get started. And this is a great thing. So I find that this making people immediately speaking with native speakers is a great idea. It is different from what I normally do, but it is a great thing that I can be part of it. Thank you, Benny Anderson.
0: So you mentioned a bit about how this book is a more of a conversational approach than some of the more traditional learning methods for Chinese. So I'd love to know a little bit more about your thoughts as someone who's in academia on the conversational approach to language learning.
2: The most current or most popular approaches in teaching Chinese in colleges does not conflict with what this book is aiming at. We all want to teach students to communicate orally first. On that part, this book and, and hundreds of other textbooks that we use in uh, Americans classrooms, uh, they have the similar approaches. That similar approach, that is the same. But the difference is the difference is the open-mindedness, the acceptance of imperfectness. That's the beauty that's the uniqueness of this approach, of this book. So, especially when you learn a Chinese language by yourself, this is a great idea. And uh, I'm not sure how my other colleagues would re- react to, to this book, but I'm using this. Uh, by the way, very interesting. I just received a WeChat a, a message from my, from my colleague uh, who, who is a chinese language teacher she's a chinese language teacher uh, her, her husband uh, is a beginner of learning chinese so i asked uh, london uh, to ship three books to three of my friends who are learning chinese and they just received this book a couple of days ago and uh, so i said oh you know just i'm so sorry that uh, my my interview is already Uh, on Monday, but they received the book uh, on Friday. I said, that's too late, but maybe for the future, uh, these three friends will tell me how they are using this book. Because I feel that, you know, not many people can go to classrooms and join a university program or a high school program, but they can use this book by themselves with a little bit of help, from their friends, from their family members, and they can really get started. And this book, these 10 units, 20 dialogues, can, can get them very far. When I say very far, because these 10 units, they cover different areas, different settings, and different uh, relationships. And the students, the users of this book, can talk a lot. About different issues. So, I'm very happy that this book is out and I'm uh, waiting to hear the response from my three guinea pigs who will tell me how they feel about this book.
1: So, like you said, we really tried to take a different approach with this. And um, having you a part of it meant that we could follow that course process of having it being 10 units and the it did satisfy a lot of the needs of, uh, of language courses. But at the same time, it has a lot of it uh, of unique aspects where we encourage people to make mistakes. And we do genuinely have language hacks within the book. So what do you think were the, some of the most interesting examples that uh, we used that diverted from how Chinese is usually taught? Um, that might have given people a little bit of, uh, an advantage over being able to speak it quicker. What interesting changes do you think you liked most in the book?
2: From the very beginning of this book, uh, first of all, it is not. I'm coming to you, uh, you coming to me, we sit down face to face. It is not like that. From the first one, the first sentence is kind of, I'm talking to someone who is uh, 20,000 miles away from me this is really interesting for me because wow the first time i'm talking to a stranger uh through internet and this is exactly what is happening in this book so that is really new and that is really interesting but it works so well Benny. it is it, this book comes so well as if this book is prepared for the pandemic learning so i'm very happy that this book came out uh at this uh. Critical time. The topics here are very, very daily life, which is different from textbooks. Well, if you look at the textbook that we are using here at, uh, for example, at Northwestern here, I'm teaching uh, a course now, second year Chinese. So this is, uh, you know, integrated Chinese or other books. They are so academic. They center around the schooling, the courses, college sports, and all everything is center, centering around academics. But the beauty of language hacking Mandarin centers around people's regular life. They are shopping. It's not about their dorm problems. It is about shopping about buying gifts for their family members, about seeing someone in a cafeteria, so about the family members. So all these conversations, the topics, I mean, applies to everyone. Well, the textbooks that you see used at Princeton and Northwestern, they are too academic. They are not really the best textbooks, the books for self-learners. So that's why I feel that hmm, the topics, the format, and the way it is taught is very appropriate for individual learners who teach themselves at home.
0: If someone were to start out learning Chinese today, other than getting the language hacking Mandarin book, what would you recommend to them? You know, Shannon,
2: it really depends on what this person wants to do if he wants to just learn ch- learn chinese uh just get started i I would recommend <laughs> even, even even though your question is other than this book uh, which one would you recommend but if it is someone who is not a college student, I would ask him or her to start with this book that's why i give i sent three books to three friends who is the husband of my Chinese-language colleague, another is a colleague on campus who works in my study abroad office. She learned some Japanese by herself when she was teaching English in Tokyo. And the third one, he has two grandsons growing up in California. So I sent that book to him so that his, his grandchildren can use this book. So what I'm saying is, I want them to start casually by themselves, get interested in it, learn to be able to communicate on the street or in cafeterias or in a Chinese restaurant, talk to them first. And then when it comes to higher level learning, then they really need to join some programs. But that is after one or two years of casual learning by themselves.
1: So one thing that I've uh, tended to tell people whenever they've asked me, what should I do if I want to get into learning Chinese, which um, has been uh, somewhat controversial with some people I've seen who learn Chinese online is I say that if you want to get that initial momentum and you want to be able to communicate, then maybe you should be focusing most of your energy on learning Chinese through pinyin. So you're learning through the the sounds and then you can learn a few characters, but it shouldn't necessarily be your priority until you have that initial momentum. And for a lot of people, this is a bad idea because they think they they believe in fossilization of mistakes. If you're speaking early and if you don't learn Chinese right now, the characters, then it may be too late if you learn them later. So what would you say to people who have that kind of philosophy that uh, learning through Pinyin as a majority of um, your method, like we did in this course, that they might feel that this is a bad idea. What would you say to them?
2: I have a very strong opinion about this. Benny. Uh, first of all, I fully one hundred percent support your idea. Start to learning Chinese with Pinyin. Chinese characters can be delayed a lot. Let me give you an example. Even at Princeton University, we teach characters. Two weeks later, then we teach them how to speak. And then Chinese people, some Chinese people don't really write or read, but they can speak. And so you can always start learning Chinese through learning Pinyin. Pinyin is a great tool for you to master, for you to learn to speak. And it is designed initially by Westerners, not by Chinese. So Westerners in China, they learn some Chinese. They find, oh, pinyin can be so helpful to help people to open their mouths and speak and communicate. Characters you can learn later, way later, because you don't really need to write those characters as long as you can speak you'll be great already. Well, let me give you an extreme example. An American husband and a Chinese wife. And this couple do not live here in New York. They live in Beijing. They communicate very well, talking in Chinese towards each other, while the husband doesn't read a word in Chinese characters, but they communicate in Chinese very well. So, see, learning Chinese characters, is probably writing Chinese characters, is not the most important thing I hope it's not the first thing you do when you learn chinese that's number one and number two with the development of new technology even the chinese people hardly pick up their pen and write chinese characters no they don't they kind of type quickly and they use their thumbs and uh, we chat each other in chinese characters but they don't really write characters anymore so If you want if you really want to learn some Chinese characters, learn some Chinese curves just for fun. Like what we used in this book. We only teach a few characters for each lesson, three or four probably, right? Yeah. That's just for fun. For you to understand how Chinese characters are formed, then that's it. But start from learning how to speak. That's the most important part. Communicate with each other in Chinese. And without the Chinese characters, you can learn Chinese very well. But of course, you know, in the future, when you, when you go into the academic field, you want to write in Chinese articles, uh, read Chinese newspaper, that is, that's fine. But don't do that yet. But that can be delayed for another two years. That's my opinion.
0: We've um, discussed different language learning approaches quite a bit. And given that you have come from one setting and teach in another, I'd love to know if in your experience or what in your experience, the differences are in how languages are taught and learned in China versus how they're taught and learned in the U.S.
2: I think the most important difference is the way of teaching. Uh, In China, it is still very much uh, teacher-centered classroom. While in America, uh, we emphasize two things. One is the immersion, which is in classrooms, we only use Chinese. And the second is we center around our students. So it is only the students who are the main players in the classroom. The teacher is only a director. So the teacher designs activities, learning points, questions, And then it is the students who open up and speak. While back here, back in China, uh, it is still very much the teacher explains the grammars, the rules of pronunciation, blah, 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 that kind of thing. So it is changing gradually, but still when it comes to the different ways of teaching in two countries, America is more student-oriented in classrooms, while China is still Teacher-centered.
1: So there's a, a question we usually ask on this podcast that I think you're going to have a, an interesting perspective on, and that is, what do you understand as the meaning of language hacking, and especially because you've been so central to creating a language hacking course? Uh, if someone were to ask you, what does language hacking mean? What would you tell them? I would say, what the hack," Which means...
2: Don't be afraid of making any errors. Yeah, you mix up a few errors. You laugh at yourself. People might laugh at you. It doesn't matter. What's the heck? As long as you become brave, open your mouth, go to someone and talk, you'll learn. Because you are practicing, you are hearing feedbacks from other people. That's number one. What's the heck? And the second one is still. What's the hack? That is, what are we hacking into, Benny? That is, we are hacking into the cores, the most instrumental elements of the Chinese language, those important usages that you are teaching in this this book. So you hacked into the most important elements of the Chinese language. So you do not have to learn so many different ways, so many things. You just learn those most important structures, the usages. Then you'll be able to make your point. You'll be able to communicate. So when people ask me about the beauty of this book, I'll say, what's the heck?
1: Excellent stuff. This has been a fascinating conversation, and we will make sure in the show notes that people can... Check out all the other fascinating courses and books that you've been working on over the years and uh, hear more about you and your story. And of course, we'll be linking to the Language Hacking Mandarin book, which will be uh, available internationally as this podcast is going live. And we are very, very proud of this book. And I'm so appreciative that I got to work with somebody with your vast experience. um, And of course, a native speaker to make sure everything we were saying was correct. And um, I can't wait to see the responses that people have to the Language Hacking Book. So thank you so much for helping us to create that.
2: It is my great pleasure to work with you, Benny, and Shannon. It is a great product. I'm proud to be part of it, which is very different from what I normally do.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much for being with us today. And until the next time, we will wish everybody a very happy language learning.
0: So at the end of each episode, Betty and I like to share something that we took away from our conversation with our guest. And these are things that are actionable that you can put into your own language learning and tips that you can try out to really see results more immediately in what you're doing to learn your language. And I think for me, one of the things that Dr. Gu said during our chat Benny, was to wait to learn characters. I think that with learning Chinese, there's this pressure that you feel as a Chinese language learner to learn the characters and be able to read in the language in the same way that you would need to in learning a different language, like say French or Italian, where the learning curve isn't as steep. And Chinese compared to other languages, Japanese would probably be the next closest because of kanji, but its writing system is incredibly unique and how you approach learning it is incredibly different than what you would do to learn to read and write in another language. So hearing a princeton and northwestern university professor say wait to learn characters i was just kind of surprised and um so that was definitely my takeaway to not let the pressure of learning chinese characters get in the way of learning chinese what about you benny what was your takeaway
1: absolutely i i would add to that i mean i i'm very glad that he agreed with that it surprised me as well because um that's i have gotten resistance online but uh You know, he and he's
0: even written a book on Chinese characters too, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he's all about Chinese characters, but he also accepts that there's a time and a place to learn them. And if you try it too early, it may hinder your progress. So I definitely agree with that. And in general, the one of the first things that he said was what can make the biggest difference in your language learning story is a great instructor and a great textbook. And this is one reason why uh, whenever I'm getting started in language, I will literally book multiple sessions with different teachers and I'll accept that some of them won't, won't be that great because I'm trying to find the one or potentially two really great teachers. So for people out there who just found whatever teacher came their way and kind of may not be making progress, a great teacher really does make a difference. And then of course, the, the main course that you're following can make a huge difference. And it's why we, when we wanted to work on language hacking Mandarin, we wanted somebody with this vast amount of experience in creating courses and books uh, to join us. So um, I'm hoping anybody who's listening and interested in Mandarin will consider the language hacking Mandarin uh, course book as one of their potential great um great books and courses to use. And of course, it's available on Amazon and your local bookstore uh just check that out that's uh out out today and I really look forward to hearing people's feedback on that so it was uh great for uh to hear as you said somebody with his experience and uh to have been working in ivy League universities to to tell us that uh he highly recommends this book as uh your best starting point so um, Uh, Loads of great takeaways there, and I can't wait to hear what people think of this uh, new language learning course for Chinese learners.
0: And of course, the link to the Language Hacking Mandarin book will be available to you as a part of the show notes, along with the other resources we mentioned, like Dr. Gu's books and the books that he uses teaching in universities and things. So all of that's going to be available to you. And once again, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast or the podcast in general, share your thoughts with us over at languagehacking.com slash review. We always appreciate hearing from you. Until the next time, happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis, Shannon Kennedy, and Elizabeth Bruckner, and produced by Katie Pasco. with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening, and happy language learning.